Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Title of this message, What Happens During a Good Wait? Acts chapter 1, we'll read verse 8 and then skip to verse 12 and go through the end of the chapter. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and then verses 12 through 26. Before we read this passage of Scripture, I want to ask you to bow with me for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're about to read your word. There is nothing that we will do that is more important than that. We pray, Lord, that we'd do more than just read it, though, that we would hear what you have to say to each of us through your word and apply what you say to us beginning the moment we receive it. Lord, we come to you and lift up people who are hurting. We pray for Matt and his family, and we're so grateful that you have brought him safely back to us. The fact that he is back with us does not mean that their pain and grief is over. It's just really begun. But Lord, I pray that the ministry of your Holy Spirit and the ministry of your people will help lubricate the process of healing. Lord, we lift up Merrill Jenkins and we are thrilled that he walked across the room and back without assistance this week. We pray for Miss Dorothy Ward as she's having some work done on her eyes. We pray for Mark Watson who will have meniscus surgery this week. Lord, I pray for Joanne Miller, Jack Miller's mother and their family. She's in hospice up in Pennsylvania, and Jack is here with us today. Lord, he's had a very tough week as well, and we just pray for him and his sister and their family. Lord, we lift up Johnny Hamlet and Joan Cordell and Terry Self and Ronald Stover, Miss Sarah Peak, Mr. Ed Johnson. Clyde Taylor, Mr. Charlie Pace, and his wife Hilda. Lord, I pray for Stanton Johnston and his family. Lord, the news they got this week was not good at all. But Lord, they still trust in you. They still believe you. And Lord, I pray that you would do a work in their lives. I pray for Ray Cox, who had heart surgery this week. His girls are here with us today. And I just pray that you would uh, thank you for the successful surgery and I pray for his speedy recovery and full recovery and I thank you for their family. Lord, I pray for Mike Laster, Charlie Laster. Lord, I pray for Bobby Brightwell, Dick Peake. I pray, Lord, for our church that you would give us clarity to see where you are leading us. Courage to follow 
your vision once we see it clearly and commitment that we will not give up in the middle of the journey. And Lord, as we look to your word and we think about doing church, so much of what we do is wait. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to grow weary in waiting, but Lord, help us to hold faith strongly, firmly, without wavering, knowing that we shall reap if we do not faint. So Lord, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers, Jesus' brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this so that they call that field in their language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, quote, may his place be deserted and let there be no one to dwell in it, unquote, and, quote, may another take his place of leadership, unquote. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots. And the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Six years ago, in 2007, Evie Brannan suffered a massive stroke. She was 79 years old. The stroke left her in a semi-comatose state. As a result, Evie was unable to eat, she was unable to speak, she was unable to move, at least on her own, and after some time of gathering around her, weeks indeed, Evie's family decided to move her to Willowbrook Manor, assisted living facility 
a long-term care facility in Flint, Michigan. And there she stayed, remaining in a coma. 2007 turned to 2008, and 2008 rolled over into 2009, and 2009 gave birth to 2010, and 2010 resulted in 2011, and Evie Brannon, during all that time, was still in a coma. And her family waited, and her caregivers waited, and she waited. What happens during a good wait? Have you ever had to wait for something? Has there ever been something that was really important to you? You wanted it. You would have preferred to have had it right away, but you had to wait for it. Maybe you're still waiting for it. The book of Acts is uh, a book that provides us the account of the birth and the early growth of the early church. It explains to us what happened to the disciples because when we leave the gospels they're downtrodden and confused but we go into Acts and they go from being confused to committed. The book of Acts is the one that introduces us to the apostle Paul so that when we come to his letters later on in the New Testament we're not caught by surprise. We actually would expect that we would see them. The book of Acts in chapter 1 especially teaches us What happens during a good wait? Khaled Hassini, the author of the book A Thousand Splendid Sons, said this. He says, of all the hardships a person has to face, none is more punishing than the simple act of waiting. Steve McCurry is a blogger, and Steve says this. He says, often the act of waiting is anything but Simple. Many people hate to wait because they are waiting to do something, to get something, or to go somewhere. He goes on to say, waiting doesn't seem like an act. Rather, it feels like the lack of action. However, the decision to be patient and willing to wait is an act of courage and perseverance. The British uh, statesman George Sevilla said this, a person who is a master of patience is a master of everything else. Thomas Carlyle, the Scottish philosopher, said, endurance is patience concentrated. Are you waiting for something? Has there been something you've been waiting for? Our church has been waiting to relocate since 2003. In 2003, I thought we would have relocated by 2007. It's 2013. We're waiting. What do you do during a good wait? People do a lot of things in a good wait. They wait for a lot of things. For instance, there are some folks in this picture, they're waiting. Do you see all those people? They're about a million, I would guess. Is that a fair statement? It's not a ministerial estimate to say there's a million people there, is it? You know what they're waiting for? They're waiting in line to bathe in the Ganges River in India. Waiting. And we thought Disney World and Six Flags and Interstate 85 had long waits. We don't know anything 
in Afghanistan, a mother and her child wait for medical care. And she's waiting, the mother that is, is waiting for freedom. In England, a mother and father wait for news about their missing daughter. She's been missing now for about five years. In Croatia, a ballerina waits backstage for her cue to come on stage. The wait, though not long, can seem like it's forever. In Los Angeles, these folks are waiting. Do you know what they're waiting for? The folks in our ladder service are going to be surprised by this. They're waiting to get into a church service. Can you believe that? Most of them are in shorts, either in sandals or tennis shoes. A few of them in tank tops and cowboy hats and baseball hats. Some of them have their cameras. They're waiting to get into a church. Wouldn't that be nice if on Sunday morning, right about worship time, there was such a crowd at Palmetto Baptist that people had to wait to get in line to get in the church? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Some people are waiting to get in church. Not many. What about waiting in line to look through the Berlin Wall in Germany? There were a lot of people who waited to do that for years and never got to do it. They lived and died without getting to do that. But now these folks are looking through the Berlin Wall. And sometimes we just wait for the right door to open, don't we? That poor dog. He's waiting for his master to open up the door. So many of us as Christians are waiting for our master to open up the door. And so we are waiting. Acts chapter 1 tells us what happens during a good wait. The first thing it tells us is that a good wait builds anticipation for something to happen. A good wait builds anticipation. I had a mentor of mine one time who was teaching us uh, in a class about pastoral care, visiting folks. Especially, he was talking about uh, visiting with uh, convalescent people, people who are either homebound or they're in a nursing home or a nursing center. And he said this, he he says, I encourage you to make it a practice to do your visiting uh, uh, with regard to homebound people on Wednesday or Thursday, preferably Thursday, he said. But he said, don't wait till then to let them know that you're coming. Call them on Monday morning to let them know you're coming on Thursday. Ask them if it'll be okay. And he said, if it is okay, he says, what you've done is you have have started the, the process of building anticipation in those homebound people for your visit. And he said, it makes the visit last from Monday through Thursday instead of just 30 minutes on Thursday. It's interesting. Building anticipation. Waiting builds anticipation. In the book of Revelation, you probably know if you've read the book of Revelation that you have, uh, in the opening chapter, you have a, a vision of Christ walking in the middle of seven lampstands. In chapters two and three, you have seven letters. Beginning with chapter six, you have seven seals that are opened up one at a time then there are seven trumpets 
and then there are seven thunders, but we're not told what the thunders say. And then there are seven bowls of wrath poured out. Lots of sevens in the Revelation. When you, when you look at the seven seals, so you go from the seven lampstands to the seven churches to the seven seals, each of those seals is opened up to reveal a chapter of a book. The sixth seal is opened up, and then the Bible says that before the seventh seal was opened up, there was 30 minutes of silence in heaven. Did you get that? 30 minutes of silence. God makes them wait a silent 30 minutes before he reveals the final and most devastating seventh seal. Waiting builds sometimes dramatic anticipation. While you're waiting, you're wondering what God is going to do. Now remember, earlier in this chapter, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told his disciples, he says, Now you tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the promise from the Father. Tarry. I want you to wait here. Wait here. That's interesting, isn't it? Jesus uh, was crucified on Passover Friday. He was raised on Resurrection Sunday. And he stayed with the disciples conversing with them, talking with them, appearing, disappearing, reappearing for a period of about 40 days. And then in Acts chapter 1, we we see that there comes a point where it's time for Jesus to ascend back to the Heavenly Father, and He does. Before He does, He says, I want you to wait here until the promise of the Father comes. He goes back up to the Father, and then He makes them wait another eight days before... That promise comes. I have noticed something about the way God works in my life and in this church's life and in a lot of people's life. Maybe you have noticed it too. God has designed lots of periods of waiting in what he does in your life. We wait in traffic. We wait for lunchtime. We wait for Friday we go to bed and we wait until the morning and in the morning we wait until it's time to go home and we wait for the marriage to work and we wait until it's time to get married and we wait while that loved one is on the in the twilight of his or her life and we wait until the child comes home and we wait until the children have graduated and gone out of the home and we wait until those children who've gone out of the home visit with us again we wait it could be argued that we spend 24 7 waiting for something and waiting For these disciples built anticipation. I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the promise from the Father. Until you are anointed, endued with power from on high. And so they waited. What's it going to be like when the Spirit comes? What's it going to be like when the Spirit falls? Boy, that's a great great thought. What's going to happen when the Spirit falls? Builds anticipation. Second, waiting provides time to think. Think. How many of us need more time to think before we act? More time to think before we speak? God 
God incorporates periods of waiting so that we, among other things, will have time, forced time, to think. We need to think. We need to digest what is happening around us. We need to digest what God is saying to us through His Spirit and through His Word. And we need to digest what He wants to do in our lives. Waiting provides time to think. The disciples had time to think. In fact, they had more time than they wanted. From the time that Jesus was crucified until the time the Holy Spirit came was 50 days. 50 days. The Spirit fell on Pentecost, a Greek word that means 50 days, 50 days after the Passover. That was 50 long days for those disciples. They had time to think. Third, waiting pulls people together. Waiting pulls people together. Verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. Verse 13, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And who was present? Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, and Judas. And not only them, they were joined with the women and with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with Jesus' brothers. That's an interesting statement. We know that Jesus had four half-brothers. He also had sisters. doesn't say anything about the sisters. Maybe they're included with the women. I don't know. I find that really odd. Luke specifically mentions the brothers, doesn't specifically mention the sisters. Where are the sisters? Whatever the case is, these disciples are there. Women are there. Jesus' mother is there. The rest of his family, at least most of them, if not all of them, are there. And they're being ministered to. Waiting pulls people together. And it certainly did with these folks. Number four, waiting is a great time for earnest prayer. Verse 14, they all join together constantly in prayer. They all join together constantly in prayer. You ever been so troubled about something? Or have you ever wanted something so badly but God made you wait and the wait moved you to not just prayer, not just a prayer, not just praying a prayer, but moved you to an attitude of constant prayer. They were constantly in prayer. 120 of them. Waiting is a great time for earnest prayer. This passage also teaches us that waiting is a good time to take care of unfinished business. What do you do when you're waiting? Do you sit around? Do you take a nap? Do you turn on Netflix? What do you do? What do you do? Do you have some unfinished business you need to take care of? Is there something that is unfinished in your relationship with God? Is there something that is unfinished that you need to take care of at your home or with your family? It says this, verse 15, In those days Peter stood up among the believers, about 120 of them, and he said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke through David concerning Judas. Judas is the one who betrayed Jesus. And he goes on to say the scriptures prophesied what Judas would do, and we need to replace Judas. 
We had 12. Judas is gone. Now we have 11. We need to replace Judas. Peter felt like they had some unfinished business. And so he felt like while they were waiting for the Spirit to come and while they were still in Jerusalem, let's take care of this unfinished business. And so they prayed. And then they had a business meeting. There were 120 of them and they took nominations to fill the spot. Now, if I were pastor of this group of 120, my prayer would be that one person would be nominated. You know why? Because if more than one person is nominated for a position that only one person can fill, all of a sudden it gets very tense in a Baptist business meeting. 120 people. Peter's looking for one nomination. At least I believe that's what he's looking for. What does he get? He gets two. Now Peter's the type fella who we have known to curse and swear. I have no doubt that he may have cursed and sworn whenever there were two nominations. They had two. And so what does Peter do? He says, let's pray. And he said, Lord, you know, you know that we need to do this, and you know you've chosen one of these, so help us to figure out who it is, which one of these two you've chosen. They get up from prayer, and what do they do? They throw dice. They cast lots to figure out who's going to fill Judas's place. Isn't that interesting? They cast lots. I wonder if we would start doing that. Deacon election will be in July. Maybe we ought to cast some lots to figure out who's going to be the next deacons of our church. Cast some lots. And the lot fell on Matthias. The lot fell on Matthias. Poor old Barsabbas, he didn't get elected. Probably went home mad, moved his membership to another church. There wasn't another church. Maybe he went and started one. Barsabbas, Baptist church in Jerusalem, probably did. Matthias is chosen. They had some unfinished business. One final thing that a good wait does, a good wait is no time for hasty decisions. Why in the world did you put that in there, Jimmy? Well, some people believe that the disciples jumped the gun there. I don't know if they did, but I know some theologians who believe that the disciples jumped the gun. And they say that really the Apostle Paul was the one who was meant by God to be the twelfth disciple. Now, I don't know if that's, whether that's true or not. The Scripture doesn't say. But some theologians say that the disciples jumped the gun. They voted on Matthias when really they should have waited for Paul. They should have waited. That's possible. I don't know. I do know one thing. Matthias... The only time we ever hear of him is right here in Acts chapter 1. He's never mentioned again in Scripture. The early church never mentions his name. We don't know what happened to Matthias. Maybe the disciples jumped the gun. You know, I would have to admit that when I'm having to wait, when God is making me wait, you know what I want to do? I want to jump the gun. I want to help God out. Scoot him down the road a little bit faster because I like things to happen more speedily. Waiting is not a good time for hasty decisions. Well, six years ago, Eva Brannon suffered a massive stroke, left her in a coma. 
2007, turned into 2008, it turned into 2009, it turned into 2010, it turned into 2011, and she waited, her caregivers waited, her family waited. And then on May the 7th, 2011, something happened. She started waking up. With the help of her family and the caregivers at Willowbrook Manor, Evie started to come out of her coma on May the 7th. Since then, she slowly regained her speech, her mobility, her motor skills, but also her personality and her memory. The first thing Evie Brannon said when she woke up was, quote, I want to go to a Bob Seger concert. She's 85. I didn't know 85-year-olds went to Bob Seger concerts. I want to go to a Bob Seger concert, and do you know what, ladies and gentlemen? This past Thursday night, April the 11th, she did just that. She and a couple of staff members from Willowbrook Manor got backstage tickets to see Bob Seger in Michigan. She has another aspiration. By the way, that's Bob Seger that she's pictured with. He looks like he's about the same age that Evie is. That's what old-time rock and roll will do to you, I guess. Evie Brandon has another aspiration. She wants to find love. But she says she's not interested in the men at Willowbrook Manor. She says she does not want, quote, an old, old man that's got one foot on a banana peel and one on the grave, unquote. Eva Brannon's weight and Eva Brannon's family's weight is over. Does God have you waiting for something? If he does, you're in a good place. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are not people who like to wait. And you are a God who's never in a hurry. And that puts us on a road to conflict so often. But Lord... We thank you for the times when you do make us wait, and we thank you for what you do in us, through us, and for us while we are waiting. Lord, help us to make good use of our waits because you intend them for our good. Lord, as we enter into this invitation, there are people who've been waiting about the decisions they need to make. Some people need to receive you as their Savior and their Lord. Some people need to recommit their lives to following you more forcefully, more meaningfully. Some need to be baptized. Some need to join the church. And then there are some, perhaps, 
many who just need to bring something totally private, personal, intimate to the altar. So, Lord, we will wait for you to work and for people to respond right now. In Jesus' name, amen.